0: Eagles Entertainment.
1: Eagle Eye in the Sky is fueled by Gatorade, the official sports drink of the Philadelphia Eagles.
2: Give me everything you got! Play fast, play hard. Let's beat these boys tonight in their house. It's quarter time. It's quarter
3: time. we go. Touchdown!
1: You are listening to the Eagle Eye in the Sky podcast. Now here's your host, Brand Duffy that's right another week and we're getting you ready for eagles lions as the eagle eye in the sky podcast fueled by gatorade continues i'm fran duffy and as always i think we've got a great show for you here on episode number 366 at the top of today's show we've got chalk talk where i chat with my friend ben fennel where we get into the biggest things you need to know before sunday's eagles trip to the motor city to take on a feisty detroit lions team that doesn't have a win but plays much better than what their record shows. After Chalk Talk, we'll transition to scouting report where we focus on a rookie for this Lions defense that has just been decimated by injuries. and That's linebacker Derek Barnes. He's seeing more and more playing time over the last couple of weeks. We'll talk about how his versatile skill set could come into play here in Sunday's game. Then, to close out the show and faux focus, I chat with a guy who does outstanding work covering the Lions for the Lions Wire, Jeff Risden. I wanted to catch, catch up with him, uh, get his thoughts on the matchup, and he provides some great analysis of this Detroit team. I'm excited to get his thoughts on the matchup. Before we get there, a couple of things I want to make sure we hit on. As always, make sure you go over to our Apple podcast page. Leave us a rating. Leave us a question. Leave us a review. That's the best way to throw us your support. And of course, we're always here to answer your questions. And also, I'm going to talk with Ben later. Or right now, uh, make sure you go check Ben and I out over on the Journeys to the Draft podcast. We're talking about the top prospects in the draft each and every week as it stands here today the eagles have three first round picks so you want to know who the top prospects are make sure you go and subscribe to the journey to the draft podcast wherever podcasts can be found that said let's get this show rolling excited to start things off with chalk talk and ben fennel
3: let's get down to business it's
1: time for chalk talk All right, let's get the show rolling here with Ben Fennel as we get going with Chalk Talk. And Ben, the one thing I wanted to hit on, uh, just from a a purely Eagle standpoint, I feel like it's a, a topic of conversation early this week coming from the game against the Las Vegas Raiders. Uh, Jonathan Gannon on Tuesday afternoon was asked about the player usage up front. Uh, And it's an interesting topic that I'd like to talk about with you and just uh, kind of a look into the decisions that coaches have to make, especially when you want to be versatile and you want to have a lot of different front looks and uh, have different packages up front, you know, because you're kind of trying to have those conversations of, okay, how do we get our best players on the field? versus how do we also want to make sure we're staying true to our philosophy, uh, you know, and, and mix things up from a front standpoint. And specifically, I uh, was asked about Josh Sweat. That was how the the, the question was posed uh, by Jeff McClain from the Inquirer. And I didn't think it was a, necessarily a bad question, but I think it's an interesting topic for us to kind of talk through.
4: Yeah, and I think defense, uh, in a collective sense, is all about risk management whether it's personnel or whether it's scheme. And we talk about this all the time. Every scheme has pros and cons. And just like players have pros and cons. Fran, you'd love to have 53 players that are versatile, interchangeable, can do everything. That's not realistic. So it's trying to put players in positions to be successful as much as you can, and then minimizing the calculated risk when you don't put them in those positions. Because not every player is a perfect Hall of Fame player in the locker room, which is how it goes. So risk management and defense, I don't think is talked about enough, whether personnel-wise or scheme. There are holes and vulnerabilities in every scheme and with every player. Now, if you allocate resources to stop one thing, that creates vulnerabilities in another thing. So when you see Josh Sweat in there lined up a three-tech or a four-eye, let's talk about the pros and cons of what are they trying to do schematically. What does that then create some vulnerabilities? Why is Josh Sweat not a ideal fit to do that? What does he excel at elsewhere? And I think there's more of a appropriate conversation of talking about the risk of doing that as opposed to just saying, why are they doing this? This doesn't make any sense. Right, exactly,
1: and, and that's why you start getting into the whys. And when you look at just the spe- speaking specifically about that front, I thought it was interesting. And, and Jonathan Gannon's answer He's like, look, it's it's no different. You know, if you're a safety that really likes to play the deep half, well, sometimes you've got to come down and play an underneath zone. If you're a corner that likes to play man, sometimes you got to play as a cover two cloud corner, right? And it's the same thing on the offensive side. You might be a running back that loves to carry the ball. Well, sometimes you got to pass protect. You're a tight end that loves to run down the seam. Well, sometimes you got to run uh, out breaking right. You know, whatever it is, You want to throw in all the different analogies i think it's interesting just speaking about uh basically all those defensive fronts and right now i think the eagles are kind of faced with a a position after the injury to brandon graham you either when you look at the and that was the thing we talked about at the time was that okay well you're replacing him in a cut in all of those fronts because he was a three down player for this eagles defensive front when they're in their sub package with four with even fronts with four down linemen he's not lined up at left defensive end But when they play in that base with those odd-looking fronts, whether you want to call them three down or five down, that's where Brandon Graham would slide a little bit inside. You'd see uh, Josh Sweat and Derek Barnett rotate at that opposite defensive end spot off the edge. Well, when Brandon Graham gets hurt against San Francisco, well, now you have to decide. Do you want to slide Josh Sweat inside to take some of those reps in that package? And then you have Barnett to play on the outside. Or do you still keep Josh Sweat and Derek Burnett platooning that defensive end spot? And now you're going to play more Ryan Kerrigan and more uh, Milton Williams in that spot in place of Brandon Graham. And so if they went the other way, the question would be, well, wh- why are, aren't Josh Sweat and Derek Burnett seeing more snaps? How come you're seeing more go to Ryan Kerrigan, more go to Milton Williams. And they're choosing, Hey, we want to make sure we get Josh Sweat and Derek Burnett on the field more often uh, in that spot. You feel a little bit better about Josh Sweat playing inside. Now, is it great when you have that length? And that's the thing. when We talk about, you know, quote, unquote, four-eye techniques, five techniques. There's three, four defensive ends. That's what we would call them in, in the past. We say, yeah, like length is an important uh, important trait there, an important quality. Josh Sweat certainly has length, um, but he doesn't have that runway when you're lined up as a snug technique, when you're lined up, you know, in the inside the tackle like that. So there's some pros and there's some cons. But again, it's interesting just kind of talking through the whys behind that scenario.
4: Yeah, the reduced fronts, you know, obviously prevent some pulling guards. And also when I see Ryan Kerrigan inside or Josh Sweat inside, it's not necessarily about them. But then that also means you can't double team Fletcher Cox and Hargrave on the other side. Yep. There's the pros to it as well. As much as you're saying he doesn't fit this spot, there are advantages being created as well. So and just a reminder, this team's not two and five because Josh Sweat played four eye ten snaps last year. Yeah, week. exactly you know, right. This this team didn't get beat by the Raiders because Kerrigan played three tech a couple snaps last yep. week. So, you know, we can point to some of the details and some of the, well, why are we doing this? I have some questions. But I think looking back in the big picture, there's bigger problems. And uh, that's why I think we kind of both, me and you kind of both, uh, you know, snuff at that, uh, you know, kind of issue with with the scheme.
1: Yeah, and that's the thing, is that when when things aren't going well, uh, that's where every, everything now is brought to the table to discuss, well, why this, why that, why this, why that? Um, but that's why I, when I saw that one in particular, I said, I think this is an interesting one to kind of chew on in podcast form. Uh, let's get to the rest of uh, this discussion, though, because uh, you and I, we just finished this morning. Uh, we're recording this Wednesday midday. This morning recorded Eagles game plan with John Clark, Mike Wick, uh, and Ike Reese. We recorded segments with Craig Cosell earlier this week as well. And just looking at this matchup, Eagles-Lions, and it's funny, you and I have both watched plenty of the Detroit Lions on film. Uh, you couldn't tell by watching them uh, that they are a winless football team. They play very, very hard. Uh, they pull out all the stops for certain. Um, but Dan Campbell's gotten that that team on both sides of the football playing really hard. And it's funny, look, getting ready, looking at the offense, and you look at the numbers, you're like, all right, well, there's not, there's nothing really like sexy to, to necessarily talk about schematically. Um, you know, they're not big into empty or to motion and the formation variation and and some of the different things we would talk about about new age offense in the nfl but they're a really aggressive downhill run game uh especially with jamal williams that he's kind of their go-to guy getting him downhill between the tackles but the thing that you and i uh were kind of you know on the same page was just looking at this offense deandre smith deandre swift and what he can do with the ball in his hands he leads the nfl in yards after catch and how that sets up for this matchup against the eagles
4: Yeah, you know, it's really interesting in the way you watch them. It's almost like they reduced everything in Detroit. Let's just have a limited playbook, a limited scheme, and do these really well. Let's have an identity. And they really do have an identity. It's not diverse. It's not explosive. It's not sexy. It's not speedy. You know, they're lacking some talent at receiver. Their offensive line's banged up. But they throw the same thing at you every week. They're going to run the ball downhill on you. They're going to get after you try to stay ahead of the chains, you know, matriculate long drives. Goff's going to try to, you know, avoid the the boneheaded plays and turn the ball over and try to get the ball to the backs and tight ends in the pass game. That's the formula. Um, They have some issues with talent and personnel here and there, but what they do, they're pretty polished with. And I think they've really limited, you know, the playbook and the things they do to allow them to be successful at something. So I think running the ball, getting downhill, and just playing nasty and competitive is – Kind of what uh, Dan Campbell and the ankle biters want to do out there. <laughs> but it's funny, too.
1: You know, we were, when we were trying to pick a play for Greg to break down with DeAndre Swift, it was like, all right, well, you know, you had that screen pass back in week one against the against the 49ers, and we we were able to see that when we were getting ready to play the 49ers. And was like, oh, you know, that was a really well-designed screen. It went like 40-plus yards for a touchdown. But you bring up the great point of – Well, look, it's not just the screen game. There are some of these other designed underneath throws uh, where they're getting Jared Goff on play action and just a quick dump off to Swift. Sometimes it's going to be the check down and Goff gets to the check downs really, really fast. And that creates opportunity for yards after catch. So uh, really kind of putting all of those things. Let's make sure we we see all the different ways that they're able to get Swift the football.
4: Yeah, and you're going to hear a guy like Khalif Raymond's name called quite a bit on Sunday. They find creative ways to use him as well. A lot of interesting two back stuff with Jamal Williams and DeAndre Swift both on the field together. TJ Hawkinson's obviously very involved. They're going to work some two tight end stuff. Darren Fells is really more of an extra offensive lineman out there so they can uh, work in some heavier schemes with a good run blocking tight end and let Hawkinson kind of eat in the pass game. Um, but I like that how limited and simple they are. They know they have some, you know, personnel issues. They know they're a rebuilding team, but they, they have an identity and they play really hard and they don't give you anything for free.
1: I think the big key to for the for the Eagles, you know, just kind of putting the putting this discussion, this part of the discussion to bit is look, the Eagles have given up. They're trying to take away the deep ball, take away the deep ball, take away the deep ball. So teams that we've seen are they're, obviously they're, they're going to check the ball down. The Eagles have given up. I think, what was it? They're the, the fourth most receptions to running back so far. They've had more screens thrown against them than anybody in the NFL. So those underneath throws have been there for teams in this game for a team that wants to play that way. I'll be interested. Either number one, the Eagles will change things up schematically or they're going to make sure that they emphasize the rally to the football. And if we're going to play from depth, well, we need to be extra aggressive, extra decisive, and making sure we get downhill uh, and get to Swift early in the down. So I think that'll be something interesting to watch. Uh, just a couple of other guys I wanted to make sure we hit on from the Detroit Lions offense. Penny Sewell, uh, a guy we, we talk about a lot over on the Journey of the Draft podcast over the last couple of years, uh, opted out last year. So we didn't see him in the 2020 season. He comes in 2021 over the summer playing at right tackle with Taylor Decker over on the left side, and he struggles. And a lot of people are like, oh, well, you know, why, why is he struggling? What's the deal? Well, then Taylor Decker gets hurt late in camp. Sewell moves over to the left side, and he looks outstanding at left tackle and, and held up really well against Nick Bosa back in week one. We studied that matchup that week, and since then has done more of the same. He's looked really, really good at left tackle.
4: Yeah, much more comfortable over there. I'm willing to say he's an A-minus run blocker right now and about a C-plus, B-minus pass protector. But he's getting better each week, and it's a gauntlet in the NFL against these edge rushers. So uh, he's going to go through his licks as a rookie. I'm sure he's going to be better for it. But his run blocking is outstanding. Really good. And they know it, and they want to run the football behind him, and he usually gets some pretty good movement. Uh, Him and Jonah Jackson, probably the best kind of adjacent pair on the entire team you know whether you want to go corner safety linebackers d tackle edge rusher whoever jonah jackson at left guard penny Sewell at left tackle they could get after in the run game
1: Honestly, my matchup of the game is that I'm just interested to watch is Penny Sewell against Derek Barnett. He's going to see plenty of different Eagles defensive linemen just because of the multiple fronts. But uh, Barnett gets most of his rushes against the opposing left tackle, so uh, I think that will be a matchup to watch here
4: in this. Well, the flip side of that conversation, I'm going the other side of the line because right. Fletcher Cox has to win against Big V at right guard, or even maybe uh, you know a Josh Sweat on the other side going against Matt Nelson. They yep. had some issues on the offensive line in Detroit. I don't think they've expected Matt Nelson to be out there. They would prefer Taylor Decker. They've had some injuries. You have to take advantage of these matchups out there on that right side. So, But Detroit, they're going to try to run the ball as much as they can and try to keep that defensive line from the Eagles from getting up the field. And I'm watching the second play of the game right here against the Rams last week, and it's a misdirection end around a Khalif Raymond. Yep. You're going to see all sorts of misdirection and uh, I don't know call them tricks and bells and whistles, but... Um, all that stuff to say, you know what? We may not be able to just beat you mano a mano. So let's try to, you know, throw some uh, smoke and mirrors out there and, uh, have all sorts of uh, misdirection elements. Which, honestly, that's not that
1: different from what we saw from the Raiders uh, this past week. I think, when you know, going back and watching just the defensive side of the ball this morning, uh, you saw plenty of play action. You saw the, the, a lot of misdirection screens, getting the ball out of Derek's car, Derek Carr's hands fast. Uh, I think it was just over two seconds per throw. Uh, just constantly ball out, ball out, ball out, ball out. And it's not just, oh, just drop back and throw. There were a lot of different elements that they mixed in there. And that's a credit, obviously, to the offensive game plan. um, But I would expect to see a lot of that from the Lions and Jared Goff here this week.
4: Yeah, certainly. And, you know, I I bet the Raiders as well said, hey, listen, our offensive line is struggling right now. Let's not just try to beat them mano a mano. Let's have some bells and whistles and misdirection and motion and shifts and some eye candy for the linebackers. And that's what I'm seeing a lot in Detroit. I think their center, the right guard, the right tackle they know are a little bit subpar right now. So they need to throw as much schematically to help them move the ball down the field.
1: It feels like the Eagles have seen every good tight end in the NFL. Actually, honestly, they got a little bit of a reprieve this week with not seeing Darren Waller, but all the other big names for the most part they've seen, and if they haven't yet, They're going to see them uh, down the stretch here. Um, But another one, they get another one this week with TJ Hawkinson. Interesting to kind of get your thoughts. I think this is his fourth year uh, now out of Iowa. Uh, Your thoughts on TJ Hawkinson and his role in this offense.
4: Well, I think we all took a collective, you know, breath and a sigh last week, not facing Darren Waller, but of course, Foster Moreau uh, was able to make a nice grab on Marcus Epps out there in the red zone. But yeah, TJ Hawkinson, I think you've really gotten what you expected, you know, being a top 10 player in the draft. Uh, a really good combo tight end, a guy that's going to give you B-plus play in the run game and the pass game, just hasn't been able to wow you yet. And that typically comes with more of team success. Um, so I think as the Lions start winning some games and pushing themselves into the playoffs, the stars on the team will emerge. And uh, I just think it's kind of a rebuilding team. They've had some ups and downs over the last two, three years since he's been with the Lions. So really good player, just kind of stuck on a – uh a team, I don't wanna say circling the drain, but trying to rebuild themselves. Yeah,
1: certainly trying to to figure out what that identity is on the offensive side of the ball. Uh, Let's go over to the other side and we'll give uh, our listeners a little bit of a peek behind the curtain into what you and I do from a production standpoint. As you and I are trying to build out Eagles game plan each week, we're trying to find different ways to talk about matchups and talk about games, different aspects of the X's nose to point to um, and watching this Detroit Lions defense. I talked about it earlier with Greg this week, you know, with all the injuries that they've had really at all three levels, some of their best players, obviously, you know, Jeffrey Okuda, uh, they lose Aquara uh up front. They've, they've, lost they've cut Jamie Collins. They've, you know, they've lost a couple of their big name players uh, on that side of the football. And so the defense. They've they've changed things up. They're not they don't like major in one coverage. Last week we spent a lot of time talking about Gus Bradley in the cover three. This is the opposite. They don't major in any coverage. They play everything. And so um, you know when you look at the way that this team is built, <clears throat> trying to find an interesting angle from an X's and O's standpoint was difficult. But the one area where we're like, all right, well, they're top 15 in the NFL in third down pressure. Uh, They love to be able to send extra rushers at opposing offenses on third down. And so, all right, well, we can can talk through this a little bit. The Eagles have had some struggles third down offensively over the last few weeks. But what do they do? They do a lot of the double mug stuff. And I feel like uh, I made the comments. I'm like, man, we've just just beat this topic to death Uh, over the last couple of years. Everybody, uh, you know, well, it seems like every other week we're talking about double mug fronts. And you made the point. You're like, yeah, well, Everybody's doing it, and I guess that's the point: is that like everybody uses these kinds of front, not everybody, but a lot of teams use these fronts because they're pretty effective.
4: Yeah, absolutely. And defensive coordinator Aaron Glenn, uh, you know, has taken a you know a, a trend that's been uh, across the league over the last ten years. We yep. saw it very heavily with Mike Zimmer's scheme, but essentially eighty percent of the teams are running it in their third down pressure packages because it's a. It's a tough scheme to you know to pass protect and to uh, kind of get your uh, your protection and all your assignments uh, sorted out up front.
1: Yeah, so we see seeing a lot of teams have to deal with uh, what those mug front what those mug fronts look like, and then they do a pretty good job at sending uh, different defenders off of that as well. Whether it's safeties off the edge or guys looping inside, uh, we break that down this week on Eagles game plan as well, and what that means as well for uh, the offense, Jalen Hurts and Jason Kelsey, and everybody else
4: involved. You know, I actually really like kind of playing teams that are rebuilding and particularly teams that are rebuilding with injuries because two guys that study the draft like me and you really know what a lot of these young players can bring to a team, but the general fan base and the collective NFL, you know, viewers may not. So I get excited to say, you know what, Amonra St. Brown hasn't done anything. But are we going to be the team that shows up and he has his breakout game type of thing or a Jamar Jefferson or, you know, Levi Onzerike starting to get on the field more. Ali McNeil and Derek Barnes is playing a little bit more. Who are all these guys? They're all rookies. They may not be, you know, big names or first round picks like a Penny Sewell or a TJ Hawkinson. These are really good players. And when you have a young team rebuilding with injuries, they're going to give opportunities to young players. Will a guy show up and make the most of his opportunity? And that's how stars get made in this league. Amandre St. Brown gets the start this week and all of a sudden has four for 120 and a big touchdown or two. Suddenly he's on fantasy teams and people know who he is. So I get a little scared of teams like this as well because the unknown can kind of be dangerous. But me and you studying the draft and a lot of these players, we know they have some ability and can contribute.
1: Well, it's a good segue because for Scouting Report this week, we are going to talk about exactly one of those players. Uh, let's get into that right now.
4: Dim those lights. We're
3: headed to the film room for the Scouting Report.
1: All right, Ben, so you set the table for us as so we're going to talk about one of these rookies on the Detroit defense, and that is linebacker Derek Barnes. And I remember when the Lions uh, cut um, their starting strong side linebacker, Jamie Collins, a few weeks ago, you're like, all right, it's, it's, it's Derek Barnes' season. It's time to see what he's got. This is a rookie out of Purdue. Uh, we've talked about him a lot over the last few months over on the Journey to the Draft podcast. So I'm excited uh, to get your thoughts and remind people what you saw from him and what he could be for this Lions defense. And namely, of course, how he can impact this matchup here on Sunday against the Eagles.
4: Yeah, so Derek Barnes coming out of the University of Purdue is a really unique player. Because he was short as he was just a shade over six feet, but he was heavy being almost 250 pounds. He really had the profile of like a fullback out there, but he he was really long, had really long limbs, long wingspan. So a short profile with a stout core with long limbs, really kind of a unique player. And at Purdue, they couldn't figure out what to do with him because you played everywhere. You played Mike, you played Will off the ball. Then he played Sam going against tight ends and he's just a rush defensive end tons of stunts and twists on third down. So you saw a little bit of true off-ball play, and he saw some stud package play for him. And that's what's interesting, too, is that it wasn't like, oh,
1: he did all of these things in the course of one game. There were games where he was moved around, but not only that, when you take a step back and just look at his career arc, I mean, there were there were seasons where, oh, yeah, he was a DN this season, and then I believe it was his junior year, he was a full-time Mike and then he moved back. And it was just interesting that he uh had that kind of like that uh, that ping pong ball uh in terms of where he was on the depth chart from a big picture standpoint as well as in the micro from a game to
4: game standpoint. But he had the size and the weight to kind of play downhill and banging in the trenches, but he was pretty quick-footed and had the range to the alley and those long limbs could really engulf ball carriers and and wrangle quarterbacks down. Had the special teams ability just being a really good athlete. Ran 457 at almost 250 pounds, which is pretty good, a 37-inch vertical, 29 reps on the bench, I think really speaks to that kind of thick core that he played with. You just had to figure out what you wanted him to be. Was he going to be a stumpy edge rusher? Can he play off the ball? And, Fran, between me and you, I wanted to watch him in the preseason. I didn't know what was going on. He barely played in the preseason. He wasn't with the ones, wasn't with the twos. He barely played with the threes. I think the first two preseason games, he only had a handful of snaps and junk time in the fourth quarter. I didn't know if he was dealing with an injury, maybe not picking up the scheme. Then he's slowly getting on the field in the regular season. They cut Jamie Collins. He's had three starts, but didn't start last week against the Rams. It was Anzalone and Jalen Reeves-Maben. Then in the second quarter, Derek Barnes comes and plays for Jalen Reeves-Maben, but doesn't play on third downs. So there's a lot of interesting kind of usage with him at the moment. I can't figure out if maybe there's a concern with him in coverage, concern with him with the pressure schemes on third down, or maybe they just prefer Jalen Reeves Maven there, but he's a guy that's starting to get more play time. They've had seven games so far. He started three of them, if I'm not mistaken. So I think he's starting to stack some performances here. And I'm just interested to see where he fits in and. uh can have a consistent home on the defense
1: well I think it just to kind of bring it full circle it brings us back to what we talked about at the top of the show in terms of uh, you know trying to find ways to use players right And so when you look at dark Barnes it's, all right what does what he what does he do best what can he do for our team if we want to play a lot of different fronts that's cool then we, we've got a lot of different ways we can use them if we're going to be pretty static with how we line up our guys and I think when you look at Detroit's defense outside of when they do those mug fronts, They don't necessarily, they're not moving, they're not changing their front up on an every down basis. Those guys are relatively speaking, are relatively static. So I think when you look at Barnes, they're all right, well, if we're in our nickel, how is he going to play if we're in our base and we're in our with three linebackers, which by the way, the, the Lions have played a ton of base this year in relative to the, to the rest of the NFL. How is he going to play? Is he going to be down in the line of scrimmage as a, as a, a Sam linebacker, or, or is he going to play off the ball in a more stacked position and trying to figure out how to use these guys? I think it's interesting. And it's funny too. You and I have joked about this and for years on this show and on over on journey of the draft as well. 10 years ago, Derek Barnes comes out and it's like, oh well, he's a tweener. I don't know what he is. I don't know you know he, he's gonna have to lose weight. He's gonna have to gain weight and be a DN. Uh, is he Brandon Graham or is he Jeremiah Trotter? You know what, what are we talking about here with Derek Barnes? Um, but I think that in today's game, as you're starting to see more of this multiplicity in the front seven, it's like, all right, well we, we could find a home for this guy. It might, might be more of a specialty package player early and we bring him along slow. But as you mentioned earlier, uh, you never know when that game could be, oh, this is the Derek Barnes game. This is the coming out party. And he's a player that is slowly being giving
4: more and more and more. And just a reminder, I've never talked to Derek Barnes. I've never talked to his position coach, his defensive coordinator, his coaches with the Lions. Understand the limitations of the tape. And when you see a player get with a team and there's some issues with the depth chart, the pecking order, remember the mental side is important too. Yep, You have to know what he was asked to do in college, what he's being asked to do in the pros. Is there some coachability issues with a guy like that? You have to remember the transition from Saturdays to Sundays is so much more drastic than fans know from Monday to Saturday. There's a lot that goes on in being a professional during the week as well. And then you just want them to go out and play fast on Sunday. So I have some questions just based on his usage and availability but I'm really excited to see him kind of keep stacking these games and, uh, and really show what he can do in this league. He's a versatile player, and I think he could really be an impact player uh, for the Lions up front, whether it's him or Unzarike or Lee McNeil. A lot of young players up there that I'm excited to watch. So Derek Barnes,
1: a player for sure to watch here on Sunday. Well, Ben, uh, we'll talk about it next week right here on the Eagle Eye in the Sky podcast fueled by Gatorade. Make sure you check me and Ben over on the Journey to the Draft podcast as well. We're breaking down uh, Bleacher Report's top 100. They just dropped a new big board. uh, So we'll break that down over on the Journey to the Draft podcast, wherever podcasts can be found. Well, great stuff from Ben, who you can follow on Twitter, just like I do, at BenFennel underscore NFL. And while you're at it, I'm at Eagles XOs. That's where I post all the podcasts I'm a part of and all of our X's and O's content that we produce here with Eagles Entertainment. You know how much I appreciate everybody that promotes this podcast on all forms of social media. That's one way to support the show, but the best way is to go into Apple Podcasts or Stitcher, leave us a rating, or even leave us a comment. I wanted to give a shout out today to someone who did exactly that. Michael went onto our Apple Podcast page and left a five-star review saying, "Fran, I noticed that Alex Singleton has been switched to the Mike linebacker on passing downs, whereas he used to be the Will, which is now Eric Wilson's position. Also, Davion Taylor is now being paired up with T.J. Edwards on first down plays. In the past defense, John Gannon has finally introduced the dime package using his three safeties. Do you feel that any or all of these changes have contributed to the to an improved defense?" Or are the Eagles still looking for the right scheme? And Michael, uh, it's a good question and, and good on you for noticing some of the changes from a personnel standpoint. Look, the linebacker packages and rotations, that goes back to training camp. And obviously, I, I know you were listening at that point in the summer where we saw different linebacker combinations consistently. And so, uh, you know, the Eagles trying to find that right combination. It's it might change. There are a lot of teams that operate this way. The Baltimore Ravens. I remember last year studying them going into that matchup with the Eagles going up against Baltimore. They had different lines. It was a full, like hockey line change when they went from base to nickel to dime, the linebackers change. And so that's not necessarily far into the NFL. There are other teams that do the same thing as well. Some teams say we're going to have the same guys on there all three downs, others like to change things up. The Eagles with this current group, they're trying to find the right combo with all of the different packages that they have. And again, it's not just base and nickel and dime, but you have different looks when they're base. You have different looks in your nickel. Sometimes it's a big nickel with three safeties. Sometimes it's a a regular nickel with Avante Maddox out there. And you might change who the defensive linemen are for some of those packages as well, right? And so the linebackers could change from those looks. And so uh, look, at the end of the day, they're trying to find... What are the best groups? And it's something we talked about earlier with Ben, with that defensive front, same thing at linebacker. You're trying to find the right combination. What skill set of guys, what package of guys best fits for us in this moment, in this game, and against this opponent. And it's something they're going to continue to tinker with until uh, they find the ones that they feel most comfortable with. Obviously, all the injuries, uh, that has played a part as well. Rodney McLeod coming back just a couple of weeks ago. Davion Taylor was out for a couple of weeks. And so just getting those guys healthy will start to get a better sense of who they feel most comfortable with in each of those packages. So, Mike, uh, great question. Appreciate the support as always. Now, uh, let's wrap the show up. Uh, We've got two more segments here. First off, we've got Faux Focus with Jeff Risden. Let's get rolling here, talking about a little bit more about this Eagles Lions matchup. What's this matchup look like from the other side? It's time to find out in Faux Focus. All right, so this week on Faux Focus, really excited to welcome back Jeff Risden, who has joined me on podcasts before, typically over on the Journey to the Draft podcast, I believe the first time now on the Eagle Eye in the Sky podcast. You can follow Jeff on Twitter, at Jeff Risden. Follow his coverage over at the Lions Wire. Jeff, thanks so much for joining
5: us on the show, man. My pleasure to be with you to talk something other than draft for once. This is unusual for us. <laughs> yeah, exactly right. But uh, look, the Eagles and Lions—they faced off uh, fairly, you
1: know, fairly uh, consistently over the last decade or so. Um, the last Eagles win only back in 2013. It's been a few, uh, a few years since the Eagles have gotten a W against Detroit. That said, uh, for this week's matchup, I'm going to start this off like I do every segment. I want you to put on your Anthony Lynn hat as the offensive coordinator for the Lions. What is the biggest strength? For that group coming into this game, what gives you confidence as Anthony Lynn and your ability to get a W here this weekend?
5: Uh, The Lions bring in a very good one-two punch at running back with Jamal Williams and DeAndre Swift. And I specifically say it that way, even though most people think that that DeAndre Swift is the lead back, Jamal Williams is the better runner. DeAndre Swift is the better all-around weapon. He's going to catch a lot of passes. He could catch 10 passes this week. He, He was thrown 10 last week, caught eight. Um, If you watch the Rams game, you saw him score on an explosive screen pass. They're very good together, Um, and they do play in the same backfield at the same time. Not often, but enough that you have to consider it. Uh, Using that to to control the game, control the clock, hit TJ Hawkinson, who's one of the best tight ends in the game. Uh, He had another nice game last week. He'd kind of been forgotten about a little bit. I'm going to make sure that he gets involved in the game a little bit more earlier in the game uh, and that, that's that's how you work it. That that that's the three best weapons on the offense, and you lean on those guys. They're all good at what they do, and to, to some extent, they they complement one and the, each other and other very well. In that they attack the same sort of the defense. You're stressing the middle of the field. You're stressing the linebackers. You're stressing the safeties, um, and that that that's the plan of attack, anyways.
1: I'm glad that you phrased it that way, talking about Jamal Williams and DeAndre Swift, because honestly, uh, when I was putting the show together for Eagles game plan this week, uh, I actually had us break down Jamal Williams in the downhill run scheme before we got into Swift, because I felt like that it was important to do it that way. So I was glad that you phrased it. In that way, let me ask you this. And, and it's funny because we said, all well, we're going to talk about the matchup. But now I'm going to ask you like a big picture NFL draft philosophy question. Uh, when you look at DeAndre Swift and you, you watch him every single every single week. So you got a better sense of, of where he is right now uh, than I do. When you view him, like where do you tier him amongst running backs in the league right now? Is he, does he need to have that other guy on the opposite side? Or is it just happen that, hey, the, the Lions went out and they brought in Jamal Williams in free agency. And now they're trying to get the best out of both guys.
5: Yeah, and that's a good question. And I think at this point, he does need that number number one A guy. They're they're, they're not one and two. They're one A and one B. And the, the A and the B will fluctuate between the weeks, depending on the matchup. Williams, though, Swift doesn't run between the tackles all that well. He's a guy that doesn't always see the hole in front of him unless he's you know designed to get to the outside. So, uh, look, he's good. He's talented. He's incredible in space. Uh, the best way to describe him is that he's a – I don't want to say a poor man's Alvin Kamara, but he's in that vein, but not Alvin Kamara. And, uh, you know, Alvin Kamara has the same thing. He's a lot better when they have an inside running force uh, in New Orleans with him. And that's that's going to be the the swiftest for most of his career, too. Yeah, I think that that makes a lot of sense. That comparison really hits home.
1: Uh, Let's go to the other side of the football. And I'll ask you to put on your Aaron Glenn hat, uh, first-time defensive coordinator here this year, former Pro Bowl corner, long-time great, one of the better corners in the league uh, at his peak. What is your guys' biggest strength on defense, if you're Aaron Glenn, coming into this matchup? Obviously, a lot of
5: injuries on that side, uh, but what gives you confidence to come away with a W here? Uh, that's a good question, uh, and it's tough because they are under-talented on defense. They have been playing better of late, specifically the the front six, Um, and it is a front six. They run, uh, well, that's kind of seven. They run two off-ball linebackers, two outside linebackers, and three linemen. But one of the the outside linebackers or one of the inside linebackers is almost always in coverage. The front is the strength. Uh, guys like uh, rookie Aleem McNeil on the nose is a very impressive player. He's making an impact already. Michael Brockers is a veteran. Nick Williams is a veteran. Um, they are they are playing well. They're playing better than the stats would indicate that they are. The big thing is to get a guy like Julian O'Quara or Trey Flowers and get one of those outside linebackers to get a, a sack and get consistent pressure. Maybe bring extra pressure. That's something that Glenn does from time to time. I'd like to see him do a little bit more. Uh, the, the the dynamic in this one though is that you have a mobile quarterback and you can't commit to you know just screaming around the edge because Jalen Hurst will make you pay if you do that. They did a great job against Lamar Jackson limiting his runs. He had one run of more than four yards in that entire game, uh, and I think that 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 sort of contain rush scheme that they do and, and blitz you know blitz safety Tracy Walker who's a very good one at doing that. Um, and, and do that sort of thing to not let Jalen Hurts get comfortable, not let their offense get in any sort of rhythm. Look, the speed for the Eagles is a problem, uh, it, especially with the, the defensive backs. And, and we don't know who's, if A.J. Parker, the, the slot corner undrafted rookie who's played very well, is going to be available or not. So being able to, to impact the the quarterback and not let Hurts sit back there and pick on the, the speedy weapons where the Lions it simply can't match that with the speed on the outside and at safety, that that's going to be the key.
1: I was going to say, is that the biggest concern uh, on either side of the ball? If you're Dan Campbell uh, coming into this one, is just the, the the lack of depth at corner
5: after all these injuries? Oh, yeah. So Jerry Jacobs um, is another undrafted rookie. He's starting at outside corner. He's actually played pretty well. If you watch the Rams game, he didn't have a good game there. He played as well against Jamar Chase as anybody has this year in, in the week before um, in the loss to Cincinnati. That's a really talented player. But, uh, again, he's an undrafted rookie. Um, and you can kind of see why at times, too. The guy on the other side is Amani Oruwarie. I Believe he's a Philly guy, actually. Um, and uh he's he gets picked on a lot. He's he's one of those guys, uh, you're you're gonna complete the pass and he's gonna tackle you, but he's not gonna make a play on the ball. That that's sort of his scheme. The safety play, Tracy Walker has been great. He's having a nice rebound here. Nick Harris is awful, and Dean Marlowe got benched last week. Uh, and they they, they replaced him. It wasn't pretty either. So uh, protecting that secondary is a big case. So they, you know, with AJ Parker questionable, they had Daryl Worley in the Rams um, in 17 Daryl Worley snaps. They threw at him seven times. They cut him yesterday, and <laughs> that was probably a good move on their part. But there, the, the the thing is, there isn't a lot of depth there. Nikkel Roby Coleman came over as a as a free agent this off season. He's on the practice squad. I presume he will be signed to the active roster and could mm-hmm. be actually by the time we're done talking. Uh, but uh, he hasn't played well. Didn't didn't look good in the summer, quite frankly. And I'd seen him play in, in the past in person, and he just wasn't the same guy. So it, it's a, it's a big issue. Uh, and Eagles fans familiar with uh, Nikkel Roby Coleman. He's
1: had him playing here uh, in uh, in Philadelphia over the last couple of seasons. Uh, Jeff, last question for you. Looking at the pivotal matchups in this game, is there one in particular that stands out to you? Maybe not necessarily as, oh man, the, the Lions need to necessarily watch out for this one, but an important pivotal one that could
5: decide the outcome of this game. Yeah, I'll tell you, and, and it's one that doesn't get enough attention, and that's Javon Hargrave, who I think is one of the best defensive linemen in the league, going against Evan Brown, who's a backup center. Um, he, not, Evan Brown has played very well. In fact, he was PFF's number one pass-blocking center. The The issue is he's not a good run blocker. He is a pass protection specialist on the inside, which helps against Hargrave, but Hargrave can ruin the run, too, and he can, he can make it so the linebackers for Philadelphia can get some runs at Jamal Williams and, and get some – tackles for losses against Swift and, and Jared Goff, who's not, frankly, playing all that well. Um, if if the Lions can't hold that middle like that, it's going to cause myriad problems because uh, teams that have been able to get pressure up the gut on Jared Goff have made him really, really unimpressive. Um, he's already not playing well, but that, that one, it, if he can't step forward, if he can't see the middle of the field, it, it's not going to be a good day. How do you envision, last question for you,
1: how do you envision, you mentioned Jared Goff and, and his play, how, what do you think Detroit does at that position once you get into the offseason, you get
5: into February, you get into March and into April? My hope is that they draft somebody to eventually take over and they, they do sort of a platoon next year where where uh, he's the placeholder until they're ready. The Tyrod, Ty, Tyrod Taylor treatment uh, as he's bounced around the league, that that sort of thing. Uh, I think they will. he will be the starting quarterback at the beginning of 2022. I hope he's not at the end of 2022 based on what we've seen through seven games because that guy is the guy that the Rams gave up on and proves it on a weekly basis. Interesting. Well, Jeff, uh, really appreciated joining
1: us here for Faux Focus on the Eagle Eye in the Sky podcast, fueled by Gatorade. Again, everybody, make sure you go follow Jeff, especially this week if you're an Eagles fan, uh, at Jeff Risden on Twitter. Check out his coverage over at the Lions Wire. Jeff, uh, we will talk to you again in the future, of course, over on the Journey to the Draft podcast. My pleasure. Thanks so much for having me. Great stuff there from Jeff. Hope you enjoyed that conversation in Focus this week. Earlier, I talked with Ben about Eagles game plan. And as always, I saved the stuff that hit the cutting room floor. Didn't quite make the show. or It was still good analysis from Ike Reese and Mike Quick and John Clark and Greg Cosell. Due to the time constraints, couldn't get it into the 30-minute show. But I saved it for you. Here it is right now. Some of the cutaways from Eagles game plan. So, is there a,
6: a, a matchup that you like, a one-on-one matchup in this game?
2: Well, I talked about the front seven. Well, the front seven is going to be really important in this game. Nelson, the right tackle. On the left tackle, you got Pinay Sewell. He's really talented. Young guy, just turned 21 years old. But I think he's one of the best talents at that position in the league. The outside guys rushing off the edge, they're going to have a tough job. And that's going to be really key. Derek Barnett has to be able to get pressure On the quarterback and I think with the speed that he has and now that he's developed a second move getting Sewell going up the field and trying to go underneath I think that's the way he's gonna get hits on the quarterback and the quarterback is Jared Goff he's got six interceptions this year and you can get to him
6: you can cause him to make mistakes we've seen the Eagles secondary they're, they're picking off passes lately. So do you think that they can get the golf and, and maybe get some turnovers here?
3: No doubt about it. You're talking about a quarterback who's unsure of himself when it comes to where to place the football and who to get the football with. It's the reason why Detroit has this offensive philosophy of let's just let him manage the game. And when there's opportunities there, we know that he has the ability to make throws. We've seen enough of Jared Goff over the past few years. But we've also had some good days against Jared Goff. If you force him to have to beat you throwing the football there's a good chance he's going to throw you a few of them. We just need to be prepared for when he puts the ball in harm's way to take advantage of it.
2: And I think their style fits what the Eagles like to do. They're not throwing the ball down the field, as Ike said, but that underneath stuff, that's what they're going to do. They're going to drop it down to the halfbacks. They're going to get it to the big tight end, but you have to rally those green helmets, the Eagles, to the football when they do that because they're really good at yards after the catch. And do you like to see what's going on with the Eagles' defense? Obviously, they're giving up a
6: lot of points. But Jonathan Gannon said, hey, Fletcher Cox, he would like to be more aggressive. Fletcher made some good points. We're talking it through, and we're going to try to get Fletcher, as they say, in the best possible position.
3: Yeah, I mean, defensive players always want to be in a position of dictating, right. as opposed to being having it dictated to you. We don't like to be on our heels and have to react to everything that's going on. We want to be able to force the issue at times. And I know you can't have a steady diet of sending extra guys or what have you, but you got to be able to mix it up in there every once in a while. And by the way, it keeps your players excited. When you, when you give them a little nugget to, yeah. to go after the quarterback and try to make plays, it makes them excited to go out there and play defensive football.
2: And that's. When they start to rally, when they start yeah. to get hits and they're playing a little more aggressive, you'll see the defense, the whole level just change. Yeah. That's when these guys get excited. All right, Dallas Goddard's dependable. He's caught 18 of
6: his 24 targets, and that brings us to third down. They've had some problems lately, Ike Reese, just 36% on third down over the last three games, and he had some penalties as well. How can they start to clean up third downs?
3: Well, just talk about the penalties. We got to cut out the pre-snap penalties, right? Self-inflicted wounds. They've been talking about this all year. That certainly will help have you in manageable third downs so that it gives the play caller multiple options there, whether you want to run the ball, whether you want to throw the ball deep, uh, whether you want to try to get the ball to Dallas Goddard. But most importantly, we have to be successful on first and second down. Now, whether that's the quick screen game or running the ball on the early downs, we need to get positive blades of grass. I don't care if it's one yard, or two yards, preferably four or five yards, but you have to get positive yardage on those first two downs to give yourself an opportunity on third down to be in a manageable situation. And then when you get to third down, if it's a third and medium and you got to throw the ball, we have to be able to connect. When the players are available, when the receivers are open, we got to deliver the throws and make the plays when they're available to us.
2: When you think about young running backs, the one area where they lack usually, it's in pass protection. And Ike's exactly right. You really have to make sure that you're in sync with Jason Kelsey as he directs traffic up there so that as a halfback, you know where you need to be, where you fit in to make sure that the quarterback is protected. But I really like what I've seen out of Kenny Gainwell so far. Runs the ball extremely well. They trust him. They really trust him as a receiver coming out of the backfield. If you watch that last game, he ran that little Texas route over the middle, caught it, ran away from the defense and got into the end zone. He's a reliable target coming out of the backfield, but he's such a versatile player that going forward, I think we're going to see a lot of Kenny Gainwell. Has three touchdowns already, two rushing, one receiving, an outstanding young running back out of Memphis.
6: Kenny G getting his chance to shine. <laughs> yep. uh, Ike Reese, how about Jalen Hurts? What have you seen about Jalen? Obviously, they're having slow starts on offense once again. Yeah,
3: We're looking at a young quarterback that continues to try to improve every week. And right now he's in a little bit of a rut. He'll be the first one to tell you there are plays out there that he feels he should be able to make, he expects of himself to make. And I think as long as he continues with the work ethic that he has, it's going to get better. The thing I like about Jalen, as I watch him, even in times that he's going through a rough patch during the game, I never see him get too emotional one way or the other. He never hangs his head. He's always encouraging the guys around him. Those are good quality traits to have as a quarterback. You're going to struggle at times in this game, in this league. The key is, how do you respond to it? And I think he has the mental fortitude that he'll continue to work and get better and and eventually he'll figure this thing
0: out. Now they've had a lot of injuries in the secondary and that has really, really hurt them. They've lost starting corners. They lost their slot corner, AJ Parker, last week. So Darrell Worley will come in and replace him. So this has been a defense that, despite all the injuries, has remained highly competitive. Now let's look at this matchup in particular in one area. One thing we saw from the Eagles last week, they didn't stay with it, but who knows what'll happen this week, is they played with 12 personnel, two tight ends, quite a bit on their opening possession. What we've seen from the Lions is a lot of 5-2 fronts versus base offensive personnel, where they have five across on the line of scrimmage and two stacked backers. We'll see if that's the approach they take. But we know also that the Eagles with Jalen Hurts like to spread it out. And it would not surprise me in this particular matchup for them to do that and to try to show Jalen Hurts the pressure before the snap of the ball. That will help Jalen Hurts in deciphering the coverage. And there's tendency predictability of coverage when you spread things out.
3: I, I, I want to mention that we talk about Jalen as a young quarterback and him continuing to grow. We can't forget that this is a young offensive coaching staff sure. that is also growing each week, and they're learning what these players are capable of doing. And yeah. they're trying to a- add something different to give them the best opportunity to be successful out there. This is a learning process, and I know it's tough at times to sort of go through, but the fact of the matter is, they're, they're both young, right? You got a young head coach, you got a young quarterback. And they just need to continue to get better. And you're also seeing, you know, Kenny Gainwell,
6: yeah. very young, being put in there. Yeah. Devontae Smith trying to build a rapport with Jalen Hurts. And then you've got Landon Dickerson. Yeah. And, and you saw him with the false start. So you, hopefully they learn this. There's it, really, a youth
3: movement yeah. on the offensive side of the right. ball. Yeah.
1: Not here on this show, but <laughs> definitely for the Eagles' offense. And again, be sure to check out Eagles' game plan. It goes up digitally on Fridays all across the Eagles' channels. Or if you live in the Philadelphia area, NBC10 on Sunday morning at 10 a.m. Great stuff to everybody involved with that show each and every week. And again, big shout out to Ben because hes uh, I cannot produce that show without his help each and every week. Thanks to him. And thanks to all of you out there for your continued support of this show and all the rest of our podcast here with Eagles Entertainment. That being said, I think that'll do it. Another show in the books here on the Eagle Eye in the Sky podcast, fueled by Gatorade. For everybody here at the Novacare Complex, I'm Fran Duffy. We will talk to you next week.